Go. Hello and hello and welcome to Tell the Damn Story. I am Christopher Ryan, an award-winning hybrid author, teacher, multi-platform creative, and former award-winning journalist. Also on the mic is Kids Comic Con and the Color of Comics Exhibition founder Alex Simmons, and an award an award winner since 1996, including an Pot Award from the San Diego Comic Con and three Glyph Awards from the East Coast Black Age of Comics Con. He has written Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, Batman, Superman, and Scooby-Doo, among so much more, and is the creator of the legendary African-American soldier of fortune, Aaron Blackjack Dave, whose 1930s adventures comment on today's social problems. On to on Tell the Damn Story, we celebrate the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way, help you decide how you want to tell your own damn story. Why listen to us? Well, we've spent years in the trenches, paying dues, making mistakes that we've learned from, and earning victories the hard way. And we're still here, still creating, and offering advice on how you can keep creating as well. And I'll tell you what, Alex, <laughs> today, today we are uh, creating... Under duress. Yes, yes, we are both creating under duress because we are both Where are in duress. You? Where are you, Alex? <laughs> well, you know, just w- without going into full details, I'm uh, in my fourth or fifth day in the hospital. And, oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, nothing major, nothing, nothing super dangerous, but um, nothing COVID related. Okay, so let me just say that. Yeah, um, but uh, you know it's 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 interesting. And without making product announcements, it's interesting how some chemicals that theoretically are supposed to help you stay germ-free can actually work in a countermeasure and lay you out. <laughs> so, so without going into medical history, let's just say that you know an irritation on my leg uh, and and the application of a medication. Uh, worked in reverse and laid me out for four days. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's uh, that is rough, but uh, that's part of the theme for today because uh, we're going to talk about illness. Yes, Do you work through it or just lay the hell down and <laughs> get some rest. Take the ten uh, count. <laughs> because I am, I, I myself have spent the last. Uh, 24 hours on Friday, um, 3.30, quarter to 4, sometime around then, I got my second Moderna shot, and, uh, you know, I've heard all the stuff about all the possible, you know, side effects and that kind of stuff, and, you know, I didn't get, and I got a slight headache the first one, so I didn't really think, you know, there was a, well, the second one, you might get more, I said, all right, I'll get a slighter headache, and a little more, a little more of a headache. No, I got the full menu. Oh, jeez. Um, Oh, jeez. So, I I woke up with the kind of that um, I last experienced when you and I found ourselves on the outskirts of Chicago uh, (laughs) drinking with uh, Peter Mayhew, who was um, Chewbacca in the Star Wars movie, and the original Boba Fett. And uh, I had made the mistake, you know, it was just you and me first, and I thought I'd have one B&B and, you know, we'd be done. But I kept with the B&Bs, and my, the worst hangover of my life, and I revisited it yesterday. <laughs> and then I found that every 
muscle hurt. I should have known because I woke up 3.30 in the morning and uh, my muscles were doing a drum solo completely on their own. They were twitching and all that stuff. It was twitching so much that it woke up Dan. Oh, jeez. And the goddess, yes. And um, then when I woke up, it, it, I, I was shuffling a little bit. My muscles were all aching. My bones felt like they were made of glass. And um, then I developed a Fred Sanford walk. Oh, jeez. That's kind of an kind of Alex Simmons time machine there. But it was, it was a very, he had a very uh, uh, noticeable uh, walk to him. Dipping his, um, dip his get along there. <laughs> yeah. And, and then my equilibrium completely went. And I was bouncing off walls and, and, and just standing there. And I would go sideways. I, I started walking, holding walls and holding furniture and stuff. It was crazy. Um, but I got to tell you, my dog, or my family dog, the family dog, and one, one of the family cats. They were by my side the entire day, following me around. If I laid down for longer than a second, they were on either side of me. Um, it was really guard cool. duty, huh? They were definitely doing guard duty, and um, oh, my eyeballs! I couldn't use my eyeballs. You know, I, I couldn't read anything. Um, oh, geez. so so you know, when we reached out to each other, or you reached out to me about um, what we're going to do with this episode, that was my suggestion was we talked through this because, you know, I mean, I've gotten a call. You know, do you remember the character The Shadow? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> yes. And then there were agents of The Shadow. That's right. That's right. Harry oh, Vincent oh. and, and uh, Margot Lane and Shrevy. Yep. Alex, there is a time machine. Um, <laughs> and they would be on his behalf, right? Yep. Well, one of one of the friends of the show, one of the very dear friends of the show, Maureen Britt, called me uh, Friday night before any of these symptoms showed up uh, at behalf of one Alex Simmons, and um, what was it Thursday? Um, and uh, you know, I realized, holy crap, this guy's in the hospital and still working. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and not only that, he's calling in the agents of the shadow to to keep his, <laughs> his, his mission alive, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, every now and then the hero gets wounded, and he has to like go into like some little corner to recover. And you got to keep the mission going, though. You got to keep the mission going, so you send out some agents. Yeah, that's all you can do. <laughs> even when Black, uh, even when Batman broke his back. He had replacement Batman. Yeah, he did. That's right, Azrael. Yeah, he had five replacements when he was dead. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so you know, I just I got a huge kick. It was always it's always a joy and honor to speak with Maureen, but um, uh, I just the whole conversation like this guy, he just won't. There's no quit in Alex Simmons, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So, so the theme for today is illness. Do you work through it, or do you lay down? <laughs> well, you know, um, for me, for me, and I've I've had a, a few few bouts over the past uh, I don't know five six years. I've been you know I will I will start by saying I've been very fortunate. Ninety percent of my life, I've been pretty rock solid healthy. 
but over the past five or six years, I've had uh, a couple of encounters that have, you know, taken me to the mat, as it were. And, you know, I find that, yeah, I can rest for a while. I can take naps. Or if I'm really down for the count, okay, I'll, I'll go, you know, a Rip Van Winkle for 24 hours or so. But the moment my eyes open, if I have any kind of mobility, if I have any kind of clear thinking process left, uh, I, I have to be working on something in my head. And, and yeah. then I get ideas and I want to make notes. And of course, if, if reality, the body goes, no, we ain't making no notes. No, we're not. No, don't even lift the fingers. Then I'll have to work on compartmentalizing the information or the thought or the idea, somehow store it somewhere where I hope I will be able to retrieve it mentally later. But the moment, the moment I have any kind of additional energy, uh, I got to jot the idea down or I got to record it or I got to talk to somebody about it uh, just to know that it's, it's safely put away until I'm in better shape. And uh, this particular time, uh, great discomfort in, in my leg and uh, that was the major area that was in distress. Um, but everything from, from the waist up was functional. And so it's like, well, yeah, I, I, got, I got this writing assignment I'm working on. I've got some classes that I'm teaching. I've got uh, um, uh, this project I'm working on for KCC. And, and these things are on a time crunch. And I got to do, and it, 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 in reality, you know, in, on the, in, the, in terms of the mind, it's going, yes, you can do this, and you can do this, and you can do this, and you have to do that, and this must be taken care of. And then reality hits. And it goes, yeah, but there's no way you're going to be able to do B. You can do A, but you can't do B. You can't. No, but I got no, No, you can't, okay? You have to understand, you cannot. So it does become a little bit of an exercise to shift priorities, to identify what you are physically and mentally able to do for whatever period of time, and you got to identify that, and to whatever level of quality, you've got to be aware of that. So that if you're going to attempt to do something, you are consciously aware of what you can do, how long you can do it, and how well you can do it, and then maybe shore it up with some additional agents, you know, call in the agents to cover the bases. So that's, that's one of my, my first realities is, is recognizing that I'm not superhuman, close, but not perfect, and subsequently, I have to identify what I can actually accomplish in any given time. Yeah, man, I think it's very important. Uh, this is this is one of the key uh, uh, skills for any creative is to be able to be really honest with yourself. Mm. You know, you gotta be really honest with yourself about your work. You gotta be really honest with yourself because you can go either way. You can go, this is great because I said it was great. Or this sucks because it's terrible and it's all, how could I possibly be any good? You know, neither of those, neither of those work. Yeah. You know, you got to be radically centered, which is, you know, you, you know that you might, you might have a tendency to over-exaggerate one way or the other, but you force yourself to the center. So what is this actually? Is it ready to go? Mm-hmm. Is it? You know, and the same thing with your health and with, you know, your situation. You know, and 
think it's usually pretty, they're pretty obvious things. Like if you can't think, if the headache is so bad, you can't think, then you can't write or you can't be creative. Now, if, if you can't think because you want the alcohol from the night before, then that's a different situation and you have to be honest. And about. that's a different conversation but, too. <laughs> definitely a different conversation. But if it's because of, you know, for example, the Moderna shot with me or, you know, uh, one of your, you know, uh, health challenges like uh, this one here, um, the honest assessment is is the key. Is like, you know, it's the secret weapon of all creatives. If you can really be honest with yourself, and it helps, it helps the work too because the pure stuff comes out. Oh yeah. Um, yesterday, I could my eyes couldn't focus on anything for a long time. My my brain felt bigger than my skull. My equilibrium was shot. Every bone and muscle uh, ached. So for that time, I just said, okay. Let's be real. I'm not going to be very creative today. You know, and then while I, there are some points where I just had to be awake. So I intook story and intook, you know, information as best I could. But it was through, you know, headphones or, you know, I tried to watch it, a TV show or something like that. And then went to bed ridiculously early and blessedly slept ridiculously late for me. Mm. You know, I got up, I got up six o'clock today. That was like noon. For <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I just had a cup of, you know, a little cup of, and I said, you know what, I'm going back for a couple more and I was able to go about 8.30. So I feel like I've got more rest, you know, more sleep than, uh, let's say two or three nights sleep and it helped. So now, don't also, don't make the mistake of if you were sick one day, I'd, I have to do twice the work today. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just back to the schedule. I know what I want to do. Um, and this, this is one of them. There's two other things on my agenda. And uh, that's the Questlove uh, uh, rule of thumb. You can really do three, three big creative things a day or three creative things a day. Uh, after that, you're pushing it, and you're, you're just, you're, you know, you're just hacking it out. So, and and even, uh, even that, even that kind of goal um, in, during normal time uh, may vary depending on the individual's capabilities. But in particular, when you're sick or when you're dealing with some sort of uh, health challenge, uh, it, is, it is really about judgment calls. Like, for instance, I, I had to regretfully... Uh, or regrettably, uh, uh, bow out of teaching uh, two classes because there was no way from the hospital with the circumstance I was dealing with and, and you know, doctors and nurses coming and going and all that, that I could sustain uh, five hours of teaching. There was just no right. way. And that, that's a hard reality. Now, what I am able to do and what I was able to do is read students' writing. So I could go through their scripts and things like that over the past few days and make notes and things like that, but I couldn't teach the class. And that was, you know, irritating on a number of levels. But that's a reality. That is a hardcore reality. And so identifying, again, what you can do, how well you can do it, and for how long is key. Uh, the other thing, too, is, is with uh, rest factor, as you were saying, um, 
I have a tendency to try and function, no matter what kind of pressure I'm putting on myself, try and function off of about five to six hours of sleep a night. Now, some people, that's sufficient, really. And especially if you have a certain, a certain sort of balance to your creative days and your work days, yeah, you can do six hours, you know, especially if you're doing, you know, REM sleep or, or um, a proper uh, uh, depth of, sl of slumber. You know, that's fine. You get that pure rest and you're good to go. And for much of the time, that's what it felt like with me. But because I'm also double pushing myself on certain things in certain times, I really should be getting, okay, maybe, maybe the average is six, but I should get in a couple of eights in there. And, and I should also uh, have some downtime during the course of the day, take an hour off here and there. And, and sometimes I don't do that. No, let me, let me be more honest. Much of the time, I don't do that. So this time, you know, I'm laid up here and there's nap time. Ooh, there's nap time. It's like being a kid in kindergarten again, you know. You lay your head down. You know, lay your head down on the pillow and the mat and you just sort of rest, maybe listen to some music or whatever. And you're out for an hour or two and you're refreshed. I'm thinking, oh, that's what this feels like. So I'm yeah. going to start to think about incorporating at least more rest time in my day or break time in my day. And there's a couple of things you can do. I mean, certainly when you're healthy, you may play the game a little differently. But, you know, sometimes working for 20 minutes to, an, uh, to a half hour, taking a break or working for an hour and then taking a 20 minute break. You know, something like that to allow your, your brain to, to rest or to, to allow your energy, your, your stress levels to decompress. Those are not bad ideas for, for clearing the cobwebs, for re-energizing, for giving your mind a chance to sort of relax for a moment and, and maybe even take a broader view of the project you're working on because you've stepped back from it. But certainly, yeah, certainly in your health, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'll, be, I'll be finished in a second. Certainly in your healthy stage, this is not a bad thing. But when you're dealing with illness, it is not a bad thing to take rest periods and just mellow out and let your mind sort of drift and see what happens. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. No, I, just, I was going to add that, that. One of the things I find useful is the five-minute power nap. Mm. Like, oh, lay down for five minutes and you know just recharge ah. you know and you know what else you know what else I find useful what what Chris breathing in venitum by <laughs> Tim Fielder that's right ladies and gentlemen if you need extra energy if you want to renew your faith in humanity and the cosmos <laughs> in venitum by Tim Fielder We'll do the job. Ladies and gentlemen, you can grab this at anywhere that they sell books. It is a sweeping uh, uh, graphic novel that goes with Afrofuturism and can even cure my inability to speak. That's right. <laughs> Infinitum by Tim Oh yeah. Well, actually, you know, we got to we got to we got to do give a little bit of equal time. Now, Tim, of course, is a co-founder of of uh, Tell the Damn Story from way back, yeah. and he's he's wandering the galaxy on his own. But every now and then, he drops by. 
But uh, again, just for a moment of, uh, you know, a little bit of balance, we got to say also Black Panther Tales of Wakanda. Okay, which just came out this month. It came, I think it debuted March 9th, if I remember right. Uh, 18 phenomenal authors doing 18 original short story tales about Wakanda and the various wonderful, exciting characters within. Uh, and I am uh, truly blessed to be one of those 18. So you can most assuredly find it at any bookstore or online book service that makes it available uh, from Titan Books and Marvel you know, uh, uh, Industries. Black Panther, Tales of Wakanda, get it now or forever, forever feel the loss, the pain, uh, and, and, and the lack in your life. You know? But once you have this, enjoy the read because it's been fantastic. Okay, so. While they're shopping for Infinitum and for Tales of Wakanda, they can also add on California Scheming, the 2020 Bushikon <laughs> anthology that includes yours truly. That's right, yours truly. Yes, I yours truly. Traditional <laughs> publishing. I accomplished it with California Scheming, available right next to everything else that we've been talking so about. So Tim Fielder uh, for Infinitum. Alex Simmons for Black Panther Tales of Wakanda, one of, of 18 writers, and Mr. Chris Ryan for uh, Butcher Khan's uh, California Scheming. Yes. With Walter Mosley and Dalman, so many other people. Oh yeah. my God. There you There's go. Like five or six really big names, and then dudes like me. For your really spring cool. and summer reading, you cannot go wrong. Um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. You cannot go wrong. Here. Right. Okay. But <clears throat> um uh, Speaking of Marvel. Yes. Speaking um, of Marvel. I just wanted to briefly and without spoilers mention uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ah. Um, I, as I watched uh, episode two a couple of times this week. And um, it dawns on me that it may turn out you know, I'm thinking about episodes one and two so far. Um, if they continue in the vein that they're going, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier may wind up being the most important statement that Marvel has ever made with its MCU, all the cinematic universe. Um, How so? About, well, you know, in, in Captain America Winter Soldier, they talk about power and all that sort of stuff and, and all this stuff. But um, in Envision, they talked about grief and Envision uh, and all that stuff. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a, an espionage thriller. I, it clearly is, right? But it also depicts consistently and artistically the oppressive ever-present racism based on black people in America. And episode two, there's three or four, or even five, moments when Sam Wilson, known as a Falcon, has to deal with ordinary, everyday institutional racism. And he handles it extraordinarily well, but never backs away from it. And at, at this time, you know, uh, when 
we get people of color shots. What is it on a weekly basis at this point? Oh uh, um, yeah, <clears throat> there's there's a lot of it going down. That's for damn sure. It it dawns on me that you know one of the things I was trying to do with some of my students was um, I have them tackling true crime uh, murders of uh, people of color, and the first part was to get the facts very briefly, but the second part was to discuss you know go as far into the background as you want, but. This doesn't come up, come up with real world ways. How are we really ever going to resolve this? And that's the, probably the toughest question I've ever asked is a set of students, you know? Um, and it dawns on me that the art world making statements like this, demonstrating. The, the kind of racism that people have to deal with on a daily basis, you know, is the way to do it. I mean, Charlie Chaplin did it uh, uh, about Hitler, you know, the, the, the way you point out what he, the evil of him is to make fun of him, is to mock him, right? Mm -hmm. But the other way is to show people who don't see it and show them again and show them and show them with characters they love and uh i i'm more and more impressed the more i think about these two issues these two episodes um it doesn't have the sweeping romanticism and mysticism of one division it has maybe something much more important so uh there's there's something to to think about or to chew on if you're under the weather and you're looking for something to make you feel re-energized. Re-energized or to ask big questions. Um, yeah. Just just to to piggyback off of that, um, one of the programs that I'm developing uh, with uh, my co-founder Gene Adams uh, for Kids Comic Con, uh, we received um, uh, a grant. To work on a project with a city agency called Young Men's Initiative and NEON and it's, it's particularly focused on uh, young men uh, who are black or Latino and of color uh, and although KCC tends to broadband kids period that's our that's our thing that's what we creativity and kids that's our, our big thing but we can also and and often do also do niche down to certain specific themes or topics or cultures or whatever in terms of comics, creativity, and uh, issues and things like that and how comics and graphic novels can, can speak not only as an entertainment piece but also as an educational piece or an empowerment piece. And so in this project, one of the things we're looking at is how do these young men see themselves? How do they see themselves not only in the now but in the future? Because the future, uh, up until like the 1960s with like Star Trek, the original TV series, uh, if you looked at most films and TV shows involving the future, uh, black people weren't there, uh, Latinos weren't there, um, in some cases some uh, Asian characters were not there, and it was like pretty much a whitewash world. And so with, with the, the uh, coming of Star Trek and then various other projects and, and, and productions thereafter, you started to get a glimpse of, oh, maybe we did make it. And so now, you know, with things like 
you know, Black Panther, uh, uh, Wakanda, the, you know, the, the Black Panther movie, and any other projects that deal with the Black Panther and Wakanda and the technology. Now with certain independent books, as well as, you know, certain characters like the Falcon or Mr. Terrific, for, you know, in the DC universe, uh, we are seeing more people of color in these high-profile technological sci-fi positions and yet a lot of young people are not seeing themselves there. They're seeing the character as the unique thing and that exists, but they don't necessarily perceive how they can exist beyond. So in telling stories and writing stories, you know, one of the things we're doing is encouraging the kids and guiding the kids to how do you see it? What's your story? What is the story that you would like, you know, fab fabricated or, fic or factual? What what position do you see yourself holding in the future? And, and how does that manifest either through sci-fi or through technology? You know, what is your place and how do you project that? So again, you know, with the, what you're talking about with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think the discussion about racism, I mean, there's a lot of people really, you know, they're just absolutely not going to admit it's a problem because it's not a problem for them or it's too hard of a problem for them to even think about, whatever, whatever. Uh, there's going to be a group of people who are going to acknowledge it's a problem and want to deal with it in whatever way they can. And then there's going to be a certain cadre of folk who are going to kind of just hope it all goes away, maybe somehow, some way. If I don't do anything, if I don't say anything, maybe it'll all just disappear. And of course, that ain't going to happen. So ultimately, storytelling, creativity is absolutely a vessel a means by which we can we can make, not only make comment on or observations on, but also affect. Yes, and of course, the best storytelling is show don't tell. And what we're seeing here is them showing the racism. They never stop and say, "All right, this is racist, and I'm going to discuss with you racism." They just again and again and again in the episode we see. Examples, examples. It's just again, anything else I said would be a spoiler, and I know our policy is not spoiler. Yeah, but, that um, is our policy. <laughs> it's really well worth uh, seeing. Sorry to be repetitive, but to see how well they are doing that and showing and demonstrating the absurdity of racism. We, we will uh, uh, welcome comments, uh, viewpoints, uh, additional uh, uh, observations uh, on this point from our audience. Please, please, in the comments. And uh, you, know, you can email us or drop it in the comments here. That's either way, either way. Reach out and add your two cents. We got one more thing because we are both a little under the weather and, and, and we're not going to you know, be as full out as we normally are. <laughs> oh my God, you poor people! Um, I just already believe it or not. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to uh, also comment on another thing in terms of storytelling. You know, whether we're talking about pure entertainment or social issues, um, something that I've, I've been noting, and and I have been uh, guilty of this myself. And luckily, people like Chris or uh, some of the other folks who have been a part of the team uh, that Chris and I use on our individual projects as well as our joint projects like Blackjack and so forth. Um, 
really good editors are a necessity uh, for putting out any kind of property, any kind of good storytelling, whether it's short stories, comic books, or novels. Uh, having someone or a couple of people or a team of folk who will go over your material and look for those glitches and those oops and those omissions and those misspellings that you don't see because you've gone through the damn thing five or six times and you can't see it anymore. You're hearing in your head as opposed to actually reading the words that are there. Um, it, it's, it's really key. And there's some really good independent comics that I've been looking at that I enjoy the stories, I enjoy the characters, I enjoy the effort that the creators are making to get these stories out there. And yet I'm also stumbling and tripping over uh, misspellings, um, incomplete sentences, and things like that, which, again, I'm on your side. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. And I think that for people who are rooting for you, it's an easier trip if you can take the time to run that through a couple of mills with editor or an editor and really do your best with that. And for people who are not rooting for you, they're not against you, they don't know you, so they're just going to discover your material for the first time. If they start encountering these hiccups, they're going to like just turn off. So you really want to try and, and do a better job, the best job you possibly can, and then some with really watch out for the editorial mistakes. Really get people who you can trust, who are not about rewriting your work, but they're about yeah. helping you find those glitches. Right, right, right. And, and you know, the problem with not carefully editing or getting a proofreader or getting an, a professional edit is that those kind of things, the misspellings, the incomplete sentences, they knock you out of the story. Yeah. And, you know, that that's the, that's the worst offense. You know, yeah, if you're if you're asking people to read your work and to suspend disbelief and go with the story and and, and uh, submit to the the magic of storytelling, then your moral requirement is to sustain that for them. You know, by being careful and and, and I would I would even. Right. I would even say, you know, you said moral and, and absolutely. Um, I would also say just from, if nothing else, from a business standpoint, you know, if, yeah. if you know, from a business standpoint, you don't want to knock your audience off track. You don't want to push them away from your product. You want them to be even more engaged with it, to be invited into it. So, yeah, you, you really need to. And and I'm I'm gonna get a little bit a little bit of tough love here. I'm gonna let you say what you're gonna say, Chris, and I'm gonna get with a little bit more tough love. I here. I, I'm I'm done what I'm saying. I'm listening to your tough love. Okay. <laughs> this is this is a hard one here, and I hope everybody hears me because again, I'm coming from a place of support. When you are, or rather, when your characters are speaking in a dialect, that's one thing. Okay, the speech pattern, uh, abbreviations, contractions, subs word substitutions, that's appropriate because that's your character speaking 
true to that character's nature, upbringing, background, whatever. But when that is the nature of the narration or the character speaking or the storytelling, by virtue of sloppy work on your part or your enthusiasm to get it out quickly or, or your ego saying nobody else will get it but me so I'm not letting anybody else touch it, you're totally sabotaging your project. Totally. Totally sabotaging it. So it's really about how much do I want this product or this story to succeed? Not about how much do I want to succeed. How much do I want this story to succeed? How badly do I want my work to get out there to people who will enjoy it, become engaged with it, benefit from it? Because if you want that bad enough, if you want the story to work bad enough, so bad that you're willing to take some humble pie, then yes, you will check yourself. You will have somebody that you trust check you. You will do the extra time and work to get the words correct. Or as we like to say, come correct, get your wording correct. So that your characters don't all sound like one person talking and they also aren't caught in this loop of one jargon or one dialogue unless, again, that is exactly who they are within the basis of the story. I agree. And it, it, like you said, it's the cost of doing business. If, you, if you're serious about being a writer, then you need an editor. Then you need a proofreader and all that sort of stuff. That's, you know, you have to get another set of eyes. And, you know, it, it, it's a test of, um, of how serious you are as a writer if you're willing to invest in yourself. Right. Because that's what the editor is. An editor is not uh, a slap in your own ego. An editor is, I believe in myself enough to invest in my work. Yeah, absolutely. And I care enough about the product that I'm creating. I care enough about yeah. that, that I wanted to... Because, you know, when you bring your A game to anything, you bring your A game, then you can stand tall next to it. But if you half-step... You know, if you know, well, yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, I just got to get this out. Or, yeah, yeah, I know this, but no, no but you, you don't understand. No, 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 no. It's, okay, where did I miss? Or what's not clear? Or um, what, what needs another rewrite or an, another look at or some more research so I get it right? That's what it's about. Because you only shine brighter when you make that extra effort to get it right. That is the key, is that, you know, you're looking at what's, what needs more work. That, you know, running to rewrite is part of the uh, special gifts that, that separate the amateurs from the pros. Absolutely. And, and if once you engage with it, it's part of the process. I do this with my students all the time. I said, you must engage, you know, embrace rewrites as part of the process and proofreading as part of the process. You know, you're going to be going to college, you're going to be paying paying tuition, expensive tuition in this country. You, you're not going to, you would never pay for a slice of pizza and just get the crust. You want to, <laughs> right? Right? You want to get everything you can out of what you're 
That's so right. proofreading and rewriting is, is part of that process. And I always get the students who come back after their first semester and say, you were right, you weren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I? Why would I stand here, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week, and lie to you? What would What would be the point? Yeah. I understand that. All right, so. So that's our show for the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope it was helpful. Um, I'm amazed at how white I feel right now. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess I'm not a hundred percent yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We like I said, we got we got to acknowledge what we can do and when. Yeah, my eyes are working, so I'm gonna go sit somewhere and read, um, which is a, in a, a, a a step forward, you know, because <laughs> I might might actually be able to reread Infinitum by Binfielder, <laughs> available everywhere. <laughs> Yes, and I think I'll re I'll read another one of the stories from Black Panther: Tales of Wakanda, other than my own. Yes, <laughs> so right. it'll be a worthwhile experience all the way around. I might read Tara Black, uh, Black, or Anne Perry, or Scott Turow, or Walter Mosley, or Anthony Horowitz, or Catriona McPherson. All, all in California steaming. <laughs> you know what, ladies and gentlemen, you can do all that as well. Go to your favorite book place and order your your favorite book. That's right, your favorite book. <laughs> Invite us to Infinitum, Tales of Wakanda, and California Scheming. <laughs> yeah, be there. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> I tell you what, if we just monetized these ads, we would do, be doing pretty good, me and you, Al. <laughs> Okay, everybody. Uh, please, you know, add. You know, if you have any comments, thoughts, uh, considerations, or questions, please add them to our comment section or email us, and we will be uh, back again next week, whole and 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 you know, energized uh, or or not. No, we'll be back. Uh, <laughs> I, I really hope so. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back next week. So again, Chris, as always, a pleasure. Yes. And I hope you uh, are 100% healthy next episode. The same, Captain. Take care, everybody. Thank Adios. You. Peace.